0: It's awesome. My name is Tyler Buffett, and welcome back to the second Sunday after Epiphany for the week of January 16th, 2022. And I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and I'm excited that, yes, we are still in this season of Epiphany. I am honestly really excited about this week's podcast. I kind of test ran the idea that I had this week, and it was kind of interesting how many kind of took off with this and seemed to really enjoy the idea. So I'm really excited to kind of bring this one to you. And I think it's just this unique season that we kind of find. We have both Christmas, then you have Epiphany, Lent, and then Easter. And so you have two seasons in between, and we know that Lent is this reflection time. And so it's this cool little season here of epiphany where we're really digging into kind of the beginnings of Jesus's ministry what was that looking like what is all going on and i think it especially like this week we get to have a foretaste a look at the early ministry of Jesus and what did that mean what did that look like and especially this week coming out of john giving us a different perspective I think this is really exciting and a lot of fun. But before we jump into this week's podcast, we have to do our Twitter question from last week, which was where have you taken water for granted? And I think it's one of the things, even reflecting back a couple of weeks ago, talking about how we had a donation for the Faith and Science podcast to hashtag team C's, looking at helping to remove plastics and different things out of the ocean. I think it's one of these things where we underestimate the value of what it is until it's gone. And especially being up in the upper northern part of the North America and hearing about how lakes are having more and more issues and looking at lake levels dropping year to year. It is something that needs to be considered. It is something that needs to be looked at. And I think it's some of our habits and Things that we just take for granted being in the developed world, I think it's one of the things that we do need to consider. I think we possibly use a lot more water than we think about. I know for me, I boiled some water tonight, and what did I do? I dump it down the drain. Is there something that I could have potentially done with that water instead of pouring it down the drain that could have been useful? I think so, and I think it's one of the things that we're in this process, and it's something that... I think will be more and more of a conversation over the next 10, 15, 20 years. How do we make sure that we aren't as wasteful with our resources and water is an easy one, especially in the developed world to be looking at because it's something that is also disappearing as quickly as we have it. So it's something that it's easy, it's applicable, it's something that we have all interacted with, we have dealt with. It makes for an easy thing for us to look at, think about, contemplate. How do we use this stuff then? So let's just jump into the text this week. The Old Testament text is out of Isaiah chapter 62 verses 1 to 5. This is an interesting text because there is a little bit of question on who is speaking here. Is it God speaking? Is it a prophet speaking? Who is talking here? But we have how... For the sake of Zion and for the sake of Jerusalem, that the speaker will not stop, will not rest, will not be keep silent. That this is almost in a way I heard it talked about today in a text study as a justice part of this text, that this is something that I'm going to deliver these people. I'm going to help these people. And it's talked about in chapter 61, how the lands have just been going through this dust bowl and just really dry. So here is this promise of prosperity, again, within the chosen land for the chosen people, that they will not be forsaken, that this is something that they're not being forgotten about, that this is something that that is going to be continued to be provided for them. That this is something that God is still working on, this is something that God is still in. It's not that God has abandoned them and left them on the side. And so, this text of God continuing to be there, even in the moments when we're questioning, is God there? The psalm this week is Psalm 36, verses 5 to 10. This text is reiterating the love that God has and how big that is and how then God continues to show it in caring for creation, in making sure that there is a place for us, a refuge for us, giving us the nutrients and things that we are needing to live, that this is the abundance of The life that God gives to us is out of abundance and that this is something that God is striving for with us. The New Testament text then this week is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 1 to 11. This is an area that now we're going to be in for about five weeks in 1 Corinthians. I really like chapter 12. I like where it goes to here in chapter 12, but this is kind of the introduction into that where... Paul then is talking about how there has been some questions about specifically speaking in tongues and reiterating that in the spirit of God, will speak through people, and that's what gives us the strength to be able to say Jesus is Lord, but that how that same spirit is not going to curse the name of God. And that then realizing that when the spirit is within us that it is laying out a variety of gifts that each of us have that this is going to be gifting us in different ways and it's going to continue that throughout this chapter but it starts here in verse 12 on how the manifestation of for the common good, is that there's going to be utterances of wisdom, utterances of knowledge from that same spirit, of faith, of healing, of miracles, of prophecy, of discernment, of various kinds of tongues, of interpretation, that all these are part of the same spirit. These gifts that God is giving us will be presented in different ways, but it's recognizing that it's the group, the collective group of the church that all of us together help bring out these gifts. The gospel text this week is out of John chapter 2 verses 1 to 11. This is a fun text. I really think so because there's a lot of really fun things and we're doing a quick drop in here into John's Gospel, and then we're out of it again. And this is the first sign that we get that some would say miracle, but we get specifically in verse 11 that this was his first sign. But we have the wedding in Cana. It's on the third day, which is probably recognizing also that it was on the third day that Christ rose. So again, tying with the threes. But again, also within the culture, weddings were a multiple day process at this point. And again, in John's gospel, Mary is always referenced as the mother of Jesus. And so we get here in verse 1 immediately. We're having a wedding. It's on the third day. We're in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother is there. Jesus and his disciples have been invited to this wedding. They run out of wine. And Mary, or the mother of Jesus, comes up to Jesus and kind of states this. Jesus, I think, comes back with this. Great line here in verse four, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come, which to me almost sounds a bit adolescent, like like an adolescent pushing back a little bit to a mother after asking, they have no wine, kind of looking at them like, why don't you do something? And I enjoy how the mother of Jesus responds with talking to the servants and say, do whatever he tells you. Then Jesus then just issues, they have these six stone water jugs, which I've seen different at different museums and such, how big those are. They're huge, holding about 20 to 30 gallons. He says, fill them with water. They fill them to the brim. They take the cup out of water, bring it to the chief steward. He samples the wine and calls over the bridegroom and is like, most people saved the bad wine for the end, and you've seen the best for now. And then it ends here in verse 11, stating that this was the first sign to reveal his glory and his disciples believed in him. So that this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. One of the things I also want to note before we jump into our shameless plugs is, Is and I'll attach some links down below, I did look into a little bit of how the winemaking process worked at this time and specifically also looking back to the original text and how the wordage is explained that this good wine was like the quality of an aged wine, a wine at that point that had been aged at least probably about seven months. And so it wasn't a new wine or something that was recently. So there's some and especially as more wine connoisseurs talk about typically an aged wine there's more flavors that come out it's a more well-rounded wine based on the aging process and what is all going on there with fermentation and such so i'll attach some of those links down below but i think it's also important to be able to realize here that this isn't just like a fresh wine that it was on top of it it was a quality wine a good wine an aged wine that comes from this water like we talked about the miracle water in and of itself last week into now this aged mature wine that we have coming here from Jesus. So before we jump into how faith and science comes together this week, we have to do a shameless plug. Oh, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to help give me some direction for this podcast. I know it really helped me this week. Having multiple seminary professors right there in their Working Preacher podcast, but then even getting some very great commentaries with over 10 years of archived material talking about this stuff from different biblical scholars from all over the world. If you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. My second shameless plug is checking out the lectionary from the library at vanderbilt.edu. I really enjoy it for two simple reasons. One, I really like being able to how they lay out their text. I think it's really easy and makes it really easy for me to be able to look at the text and bring them to you as I talk about them. But I also really enjoy having the art there. Why? I enjoy seeing other people's interpretations of how this stuff happened. And the beautiful thing is, it's not just necessarily European art or American art. It's this is worldwide art that's all over the world throughout time. So it gives you multiple different perspectives on a lot of these different text and I find that extremely helpful. My final shameless plug that I will say again is if you haven't checked out The Chosen, highly recommend checking out The Chosen. It's an ambitious project but they've been doing it well and it's been really fun to kind of see how how can we with how we understand movies and stuff, but able to take the story of Jesus and not make it into a two-hour movie, but let's make it into a multiple season thing so we can dig into some of these different stories a little bit deeper and maybe provide some maybe background context that's possible that could have happened. So I really enjoy watching these and kind of digging in about that and thinking about it in a different way. It's fun to be able to see these texts come alive in a very different way. So if you haven't checked out The Chosen, I would highly recommend that. Before we jump into the science of where I'm going to go, I think we have to keep reiterating here verses 3 to 6 or 7, we're all 7 here in the gospel text, that they run out of wine, Jesus' mother comes to Jesus and states, they have no wine. Jesus responds with, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? And then states, my hour has not yet come. And I was in some different discussions today at a tech study talking about this. And again, especially giving that, it almost gives this indication of like, this is the beginning then of my time. If we do this, there's no turning back. This is something that will set things into motion and that the time will just keep getting shorter and shorter. But it also to me, referencing back to a couple weeks ago, we talked about the lost years of sea turtles. And it's almost like, let's assume Mary, the mother of Jesus, knows more than what even John writes, more than any of the texts respond, that she has seen things that we don't know. And it's like this push that, no, it's time. It's time for you to embrace this. It's time to embrace, like we've been talking about here in the first Corinthians text, I've seen these gifts. It's time to embrace these gifts and use these gifts. So, the mother of Jesus, Mary, points to the servants and do whatever he says, pushing Jesus. She walks, you know, you almost see it like a mic drop. She walks out of scene and Jesus stands there and it's like, okay, fill these up with water to the brim. And then he says, draw some out and take it to the chief steward. And that's all he does. He says some things and then walks away and then look at what happens. And I think it's really interesting that here it is, especially in the text, it's a woman who is pulling this out. It's a woman who is challenging Jesus to take that step. But is that really that surprising? Is it really surprising that a woman is causing us to pull that out because I, th- I would assume for many of us, not all of us, but many of us, our mothers are an important figure within our lives. And it's not that different in the animal kingdom either. In the past, I've talked about how like eagles and bird populations will stop bringing food back to the nest to encourage a young bird to leave the nest to start venturing out on their own. But I found another example, and I think it's really interesting to think about and it's kangaroos. So we have to reiterate there are two different types of kangaroos. There are red kangaroos and there are gray kangaroos. Most of them being then in the eastern half of Australia. I'm going to more talk about red kangaroos being that we'll get into it a little bit more but red kangaroos The amount of time that a joey or the young stays in the pouch is about six months. And in about six months, they're starting to encourage them to go out and kind of stay out after eight months. That's kind of like, yeah, it's it's being occupied in another way. And we'll get into that here in a moment. Whereas gray kangaroos, it's more of 11 months. And then at 18 months, it's kind of, again, it's time for you to leave. And then there's still connected. We'll put it that way. So, but let me first start with this. Kangaroos are marsupials, meaning that they have this like additional pouch and they're unique. Marsupials, there isn't a ton of them around the world. A lot of them are in the continent of Australia and that area. So it's really unique and thus they have a very unique birthing process. They have birth after 33 days, if you want to put it that way, they have the cells, they give birth, it goes through the birth canal into the pouch, and the joey at this point, they're young, is about the size of a jelly bean, and what happens, that jelly bean attaches to one of four nipples within the pouch. What is super unique is while they have that young, the former young can still suckle on one of the other nipples. So one of the joeys that's been kicked out of the pouch, which we'll get to in a moment, can still come in and suckle off the mother from outside, where it's just sticking its head in, to these other set of nipples. And what's super unique is the formulas for these separate nipples have different formulations. The one for the jelly bean sized young is going to have a different formula than this growing joey outside the pouch, that needing very different things. Hence, like sulfur content at about three months, two to three months will be much higher for the younger one to help it develop fur as it grows. One of the things that is also extremely unique about the pouch of a kangaroo is that the sweat glands within it produce an antimicrobial substance to help make this a very safe, protected environment. So not only is the milk that is helping this grow having tons of antimicrobial, antiviral properties within the milk, but then it's also having these sweat glands to help keep the place where this joey is safe. It's almost like it's a germaphobe Out in the wild and it's doing its best to make this environment very, very safe for this young. And as it grows then, at about five months, it'll start sticking its head out and start investigating the world. Six months is kind of when they initially kind of get nudged out of the pouch and starts doing, you know, slowly longer and longer trips and exploring the world, learning what it means to be an adult kangaroo. And at about eight months, the mother is saying, "No, that's enough. I'm not letting you back in here. Because remember, they have another one that is now going into that pouch to start on these this other set of nipples, essentially. And that the ones that it's been working on, the two that it's been working on are over here. That it's, okay, yes, I'm still here to provide for you, I'm still here to help you, but I'm encouraging you, I'm pushing you out into the world to go and begin to grow into that next phase of what it means to be a kangaroo. And like we talked about at the beginning, this process is just on a longer scale for gray kangaroos. And it's this super unique environmental thing that we have here that we essentially have The mother kicking the joey out to be able to become a kangaroo, to be able to become what it is born to do. Is this not familiar to what we see here in the gospel text? Mary or the mother of Jesus recognizing that there's abilities that Jesus has and that it's starting and you can almost see it as she stares and looks Jesus into the face after he responds with, Woman, what concern is this to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. And that look of a mother being like, Oh, really? And turning and saying to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Like, mother knows best on this one. Not father knows best. Mother knows best. It's time. It's time for you to get outside your comfort zone. Is this Jesus being an adolescent saying it back? Like this adolescent-like tone? Or is it that, he is scared of what this means, we don't know. It's hard to read words on a page and be able to get the subtle context like that. But it's also this moment of pushing Jesus out and to begin, and especially in John's gospel here, to begin the ministry of what Jesus is and what Jesus has been sent here to do. And I think it's this beautiful thing because a Joey within the pouch of a mother, it's safe. It has everything it needs. It's got food. It's in this place that keeps it safe. It's got skin. That was a whole nother thing. The inside of a pouch is skin. So it's getting skin-to-skin contact, As even as it then grows and is growing fur. It's got the skin-to-skin contact. It's nice and warm. It's got the heat transfer that it's wanting. What luxurious conditions this joey has for the first six months of its life it is living its best life it has everything it needs but yet it's not a kangaroo it's a joey it's not an adult at some point it's time to move it's time to go out and see what the world is it's time to expand your understanding of what you are and what you are here to do i think in a lot of ways the pandemic and where we're at is doing that to us as an individual level, at a congregational level, but at a national church-wide and churches-wide level. I think it's challenging the church to be able for us to think about the things that we have seen as comfortable maybe need to be brought out of the pouch, need to be looked at and considered. And when a kangaroo is leaving the pouch, it's learning to move it's it's hopping and walking style it's learning that it's learning and it has more of a diverse diet it still comes back to suckle for a while red kangaroos up to like eight months gray kangaroos up to 18 months it's grown it's maybe not in the pouch anymore but it's still coming back to suckle it's still saying mom i still need something it doesn't mean as fully abandoning this How many times we see Jesus going off to pray, how many times we have Jesus going off, how many times it very well could be that Jesus even went and talked to his mom that maybe aren't recorded. We are in a place where we are being challenged within the church and where we are moving, where are we growing. But I think at an individual level, the last nearly two years have challenged us in our notions and what we're about, what does this all mean? What is the church really? What is normal really? These are all being challenged. These are all questions that if I had asked you three years ago, when we last had this text, they weren't things we were dwelling on. We weren't things we were working on. We are now. And I think it's this idea of being able to see here in this moment where Jesus is potentially not comfortable, where we're seeing the humanity of Jesus and him getting nudged, pushed, challenged in a subtle way, reminds us that we need to be the same way. Just like young within the animal kingdom at some point get challenged to continue to grow, we, in the same accord, need to be challenged to continue to grow, to push forward, because that's what we're designed to be. We're designed to be these creatures Of God that are challenged and it fits so beautifully within the first Corinthians text because how if we're not challenged or pushed or had somebody point out to us that you have these different skills and abilities how are we ever going to live up to the gifts that the spirit has given us it's often that someone with the spirit is recognizing that with us to be able to bring it out of us or acknowledging that we have that gift We see the abundance of what God did. I mean, look, he took water upwards to 150 gallons of it and made it into wine and not just any wine, quality wine, good wine, aged wine. If Jesus hadn't done that, we wouldn't have had this. We almost get where Jesus' humanity is doubting himself. And look what he created when given the opportunity, when pushed, when nudged. Look at what happened. We get in the psalm and look at the abundance of what I've been providing, what I've been giving you, all these things to help give you. We get the Isaiah text saying, I have not forgotten you. I am not abandoning you. When I am pushing you out, I am not going to let you just suffer and die. I am going to be there with you. You got to trust me when I'm nudging you out. So the Twitter question I have for you this week is where do we need to get out of the quote pouch? Where do we need to get out of the, quote, pouch? Because I think, personally, we have some. Corporately, we have a lot. And even as we get to like nationwide church or nationwide churches, different denominations, different faith traditions of the faith, we got some things we got to work on together. There are things we can learn from each other as we hop out of these pouches, as we take that leap of faith that it takes to get out of this amazing pouch that's warm and comfortable, antibacterial, antimicrobial, antiviral. Like this is a pretty great place. There's a point where we can only grow so far in that pouch. And at some point, it actually hurts the mother for us to continue to be in there. We have to be willing and able to acknowledge the mother pushing us out because that pouch, there are muscles and mom's going to get us out and seal it up and say, I'm only here to help you suckle, but I need you out of this pouch because I have another Joey coming in. I have something else that I'm working on that I need this space for. I think we're at that point that we should be looking at that. And I think that's the hard thing right now with where we are with the pandemic is the church is changing. We all know that, but how? And that gets difficult, but I think it's important for us to acknowledge like, okay, if that's the case, maybe we should take that leap. Maybe we should be willing to venture a little further out or explore different ideas and see where the spirit leads us. Maybe there are other gifts of the spirit, things where the spirit is trying to help us manifest the common good, that we've kind of shut out because we've liked the comfortable space in which we're in. And I think it's something that we have to look at, we have to consider, we got to think about. Because I think there's abundance and good wine, quality wine, things that make people go, Wow, why were you serving this inferior wine first that we don't even know because we aren't venturing out? The joey never becomes a kangaroo fully until it goes out of the pouch. and stays out. It can come in to suckle, it can come in to get warm and keep its head warm, to say hi to mom. But there's also a point where that kangaroo to grow into a real kangaroo, not just be a joey, has to stay out of the pouch. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.